0: What song is it you want to hear? Well, the music is your special friend. I hear music up above. Gotta get a message, get it all through.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Secret Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. The Secret Chord explores spirituality through the lens of great music, and we're sponsored by SuperJeweler.com, my favorite online fine jewelry destination. And without further ado, please enjoy this podcast. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 34 of The Secret Chord podcast. I'm excited to go in a slightly different direction this week and present the indie band Death Cab for Cutie. So I don't know if you've heard of them. But they are a very popular band, they are an American alternative rock band who were formed in Bellingham, Washington in 1997. The band was originally a solo project by lead singer and guitarist Ben Gibbard, and upon getting a record deal, he expanded the project into a complete band, which released a debut album called Something About Airplanes back in 1998. The group's fourth album, 2003's Transatlanticism, broke into the mainstream both critically and commercially with songs from the album featured in numerous TV series and films. The band's major label debut for Atlantic Records, 2005's Plans, went platinum. And their ninth studio album, Thank You for Today, was released in August of 2018. So obviously the group has a bit of a strange name, and if you're wondering where it came from, it came from a song called Death Cab for Cutie, which was written by a group called Bonzo Dog Doo wah Band, also a strange name which was originally performed on the British television show Do Not Adjust Your Sets, as well as the Beatles movie Magical Mystery Tour, in case you've ever seen that. So Death Cab for Cutie is known for its unconventional instrumentation and for Gibbard's distinct voice and lyrical style. They're also unafraid to tackle theological issues head-on, which I love. So let's check out an example of that. This is I'll Follow You Into the Dark by the great Death Cab for Cutie.
2: Love of mine Someday you will die On their vacancy signs If there's no one beside you When your soul embarks Then I'll follow you into the dark In Catholic school As vicious as Roman rule I got my knuckles bruised By a lady in black and I held my tongue as she told me, son. Fear is the heart of love. So I never went back. And if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. The time for sleep is now, but it's nothing to cry about Cause we'll hold each other soon in the blackest of rooms If heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied And illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs if there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark.
1: And I'll follow you into the dark. So Rolling Stone magazine described the band's output as melodic, melancholic songs about feeling both smart and confused. Hopelessly romantic, but wary of love, the indie lullabies here, ostensibly about a long-distance relationship, are both tuneful and rough-edged, with singer Ben Gibbard's plaintive boy-next-door voice wafting delicately over crunchy guitars, piano, and random percussion. It feels like a conversation with an old friend. Now, this song seems like a simple ditty that a guy might sing to his high school sweetheart, but I think it's deeper than that. Following your love into the darkness seems to me the root of all spiritual contemplation and yearning. Love and death go hand in hand as two mysteries that humanity is constantly processing. One represents light, though is often fraught with its own darkness, and the other is a black hole of unknowableness. I've argued before that love is not a physical thing, and indeed is the only tangible link to the other side that we possess. So, Ben's willingness to go there, if that's where his beloved is to be found, is something that we can all relate to. And though it may not always seem like it, he's correct in saying that we're all close behind to those who went first. I love songs with profound ideas wrapped up in a simple package like this. Reflecting on the writing process, Ben has said that being the writer of any kind of discipline is kind of like being a magician. You're defying the laws of physics. There's nothing there, and then there is something there. That defies the first law of physics. So in that sense, maybe there is something spiritual about the process of writing in general. He's referring to Newton's first law of motion, which states that an object at rest stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless it is acted upon by an unbalanced force. What is the unbalanced force that allows for musical creation? Where does it come from? In Kabbalistic thought, it's called yesh me'ayin, the idea that some things can indeed arise out of nothing, or at least what appears to be nothing. Now, let's hear our main feature for today. This is off of their 2007 album Catch and Release, and it's called Soul Meets Body. I just love that. To me, that is a beautiful and original piece of music. The song has been described as having a haunting slow drawl, and that features such as its jangling acoustic guitar strumming throughout, and a wonderfully upbeat rhythm accompanying lyrics of loss and wonderment give the song a distinct resemblance to R.E.M.'s song, Losing My Religion, Which, by the way, is not actually about becoming irreligious. Drowned-in-sound writer Mike Diver stated that Soul Meets Body has tender, lovelorn lyrics that anyone over the age of 10 can relate to, coupled with the kind of shimmering indie pop that a thousand imitators have failed to truly master. That's a great description. Humanity has been wrestling with the issue of the relationship between the body and the soul for centuries. And the modern version of the argument goes back at least 400 years to Descartes. It's also been a staple of popular culture for a long time. Check out this 1930 recording of "Body and Soul" by Libby Holman.
0: My heart is sad and lonely Are you I sigh? Are you dear?
1: So assuming that the soul does exist, as I do, just how is a non-material force related to a material one? How does the soul get the body to do what it wants? In a certain sense, every time we will something, the will being a function of the soul, and compel the body to respond, we are, knowingly or unknowingly, interfacing with the transcendent. And here's an example. Ben Gibber took up running ultramarathons, which are, amazingly... 50 to 100 mile races, partially in response to the alcoholism that he had struggled with as a touring musician. For him, pushing the limits of his body became a transcendental experience. As he said, running for me is very much a spiritual practice at this point. I certainly don't think that you need to run as far as I do to achieve a level of enlightenment, but I have found that when I've been deep into an ultra marathon, there is inevitably a moment where everything falls away and I'm just a being in space, just moving through the world, moving through this beautiful environment on a trail, on a mountain somewhere, and all the concerns that you might have about anything in your life just disappear, and you have these moments of just flow and zen that people achieve in myriad ways. People do yoga, people take psychedelics, people run, people fast, people sweat it out, whatever. But this has just been something that i found has been a very real spiritual practice in my life. So that ability to get out of your own way and live in the moment is key. It's ability to humble a person as another. As he said of his running, there's no way to be cocky because you're going to get got. You're going to get humbled. Humility is an absolute prerequisite to the authentic spiritual experience. Arrogant people have a hard time seeing anything beyond themselves. And that's one example of the body meeting the soul. Obviously, that's something that he deeply craves. And I think that everybody does. So when he writes, I want to live where soul meets body and let the sun wrap its arms around me and bathe my skin in water, cool and cleansing and feel, feel what it's like to be new. Because in my head, there's a greyhound station where I send my thoughts to far off destinations. So they may have a chance of finding a place where they're far more suited than here. I think that's gorgeous writing, personally. That's deep, reflective, and interesting. And to me, where body and soul meet can be achieved by a shift in identity. We already have both body and soul. The question is, which are we focusing on? Most of us have had the experience of a shift in identity before. For instance, going from a middle schooler to a high schooler is a shift in identity, one that comes with a new status, new rules, and a new way to think about oneself. For many, getting married is a very big change of identity, whereas single folks have much freer schedules and much more control over their decision-making. When you're married, you change. You quickly realize that the old habits won't work, that there is someone else with their own set of values and expectations. Obviously, if someone is unable to make this shift and continues on his merry single ways, the relationship won't last long. But if he does, he begins to grow as a person. He is expanded to encompass something that's beyond himself. It's a step onto a new road. So too must we all endeavor to shift our identities from holy physical entities that may or may not have a spiritual essence to one of a spiritual essence, a soul, that happens to have a body as a garment, one that inevitably wears out and will eventually be discarded. Until then, we all do indeed live where soul meets body. One way or another, we will all end up making this shift in consciousness. Making the choice earlier and on our own terms can only serve to vastly improve the quality of our inner and outer worlds. And those are my thoughts on Soul Meets Body by the great death cab for cutie i hope you've enjoyed joining us and i look forward to being back next week with a new song and a new set of ideas thank you for listening thank you for listening please consider leaving a comment or a review to help us spread the word and please subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms to support us please visit our patreon accounts and if you'd like to communicate with me directly please feel free to email me at ajacobs at The Secret Chord is produced and engineered by Naora Cohen.